responsibility, but it's also an awesome opportunity. The fact that God has blessed us in such a way that we can be a people that hold to these principles to the point that we say this is not just this idealistic kind of thing that maybe we hope to be to some degree. It's a mindset that we are striving to achieve in every moment of our life. And when we look at the idea of faithfulness, which I'm considering this morning, we see in chapter 22, faith, excuse me, chapter 5, verse 22, that faithfulness is among the last things that are mentioned in that verse. And he says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And I bring up in bold that, that phrase, against such there is no law, because uh, why, why does Paul mention that? You know, he's talking about the sense that we, in the context of this chapter, really, is the idea of truly standing in God and truly standing in the freedom that He's granted us to be everything that we can be in Him. And that involves resisting certain things and understanding that we walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. And this is almost an encouraging statement that if we're this way, there's no sense where we're not going to be faithful to God. That faithfulness kind of goes hand in hand. This is such a core aspect, I think, of what we consider when we consider the fruit of the Spirit is is faithfulness. And this morning I'd like for us to consider three basic things. First of all, I want to talk about God's faithfulness. God's faithful to us. And we need to understand that and we need to to incorporate that into our viewpoint. Uh, Secondly, I want to bring up just a specific example in terms of Moses. What kind of faithfulness did Moses have? And how far did that drive him in service to God? And finally, I want to ask, are we faithful? What is our faithfulness? So we need to be willing to ask ourselves that question. So we're going to be looking at these three things. First of all, God's faithfulness. The definition of faithfulness, the Greek term, uh, I don't know, pistis might be the right way to pronounce it. Um, the active form of this is as belief directed toward a person or thing, meaning confidence, faith, or trust, or reliance. Obviously, when we're talking about that, we're talking about faith in God, right? Uh, faithfulness toward God. As, uh, also, as a decision to be faithful and loyal to the Christian religion means a promise, a pledge, or a commitment. We've made a commitment to God. we made a commitment to the fact that we're going to be a Christian. Uh, of what brings trust and confidence from others? Faithfulness, fidelity, reliability. Are we able to see faithfulness in others? Are we able to understand what that means? And as what inspires confidence, meaning a pledge or a means of proof or a guarantee. Uh, Paul talks about that in Acts 17.31, that Jesus, his resurrection was a guarantee, was a proof, was something that was a faithful thing. And so when we look at this, what can we pull from it? Well, one of the first things I think we can pull from it is that Satan hates faithfulness. Satan hates faithfulness. And he will do whatever he can to fight against faithfulness. There's going to be a lot of opposition. And in fact, much teaching today will deny that faithfulness is essential for a Christian. Of course, we've got our Calvinist friends that will make it very clear that you know, it's not about what you do, it's all about what God does, and we've talked about that in the past. But, you know, I, I would consider passages like Ephesians 1 and verse 1, where Paul uh, refers to the faithful in Christ Jesus that he's writing to. 
also in 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 2, he says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Let's understand that God is calling upon us to be like him. And the example of Moses that we'll talk about in just a minute is a really wonderful case where we can see that very, very clearly. But how much teaching today will say, don't worry about being, you know, don't worry about this law. Don't worry about all the things that we've been commanded. Just, just be who you are. You know, live the story that you're supposed to live. Finish the story that God started. That's what a lot of people, even among our own brethren, can say today. And so when we think about faithfulness, when we look at the definition of it, let's understand that this is essential. If I'm not faithful to God, I'm nothing. If I'm not faithful to God, then I'm not being all that I could be. And we recognize, of course, that there's going to be a great consequence toward that as well in the end. Let's recognize that God is faithful to us. How faithful is God to us? In Deuteronomy 7, verse 9, it's re- he's referred to as the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations. I just love the way that that sounds. The fact that God will remember these things. And you look at all the story of Israel. He remembered those things. You know, In Psalm 36, and verse 5, how much faithfulness does God have? He says, your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Uh, Isaiah 49, verse 7, in that passage, he's talking about the fact that Israel can be better, basically, that they can rise above the sin that they're in. And why is that? Well, because of the Lord who is faithful. They have this possibility to get past all of these judgments that are being proclaimed among them and against them. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 4-9, those of you who have been at the Friday studies, uh, you remember... One of the main points that we've been bringing up is that when Paul greets the Corinthian brethren, he doesn't talk about the things that they've done. And I think the reason for that is you see other epistles where he does. You know, he's thankful for the 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 faithfulness of those brethren. He's thankful for their works. He's thankful for their striving in Christ. He doesn't say that to the Corinthian brethren because they are in a big old mess. They're not doing right. They're not in the right way. And so what does he focus on? He focuses on the great things that God has done for them. And he says in that context, God is faithful through whom you're called into fellowship with Jesus Christ our Lord. What an awesome thing that is that even in the sense that when we're not all that we should be, all the promises, all the faithfulness of God still applies. How awesome is that? I want us to turn to 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, because this is one of the things that we need to know for sure in understanding the faithfulness of God. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 11, Paul writes, This is a faithful saying, For if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Isn't that a great point of comfort that we understand that even if I'm not all that I should be, God is still there. And God is still faithful. And he will still deliver on his promises. That should help us. That should help encourage us to know that I am not without hope. I am not without a God who will be faithful. And, and let's understand, he is being faithful to 
at the same time, himself and his holy nature, but also he's being faithful to us. You think back at when Moses interceded, and I, I don't have this example in, when I'm talking about Moses in a minute because there, there there's a lot more than that. But when Moses interceded to the Israelites, God said, I'm going to wipe this people out. And Moses, what did Moses appeal to? He, he appealed to God's holiness. He appealed to his justice. He appealed to his nature. And also he said, what are the nations around going to say? <laughs> you know, that you killed your own people. You know, and, and I think that's just amazing. I'm not, you know, God knew about all that, of course. But, you know, just the fact that Moses brought that up. God is faithful to us. And so we have a faithful God. And I think by implication... That draws us to the point to understand that we need to be faithful to Him. And we need to understand what that faithfulness is. I think a great example that we can look at is Moses. When we look about at Moses and we consider Moses, we need to understand that Moses wanted to know God. He wanted to know God. And consequently, because of this, Moses became like God. Turn to Exodus chapter 34. Exodus 34, please. So Moses wanted to know about God. And think about this. Think about yourself. Think if you had been able to witness this and hear this. Exodus 34 and verse 5. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation." So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. What an awesome thing that must have been. To see that. To hear that. And I know that we don't have a lot to go on on literally what he saw. But he came to know God's character in that moment. Look later on in this chapter. In uh, verse 29. What happened when he came down from the mountain? It says, It was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. He had a glowing countenance. Something about him had changed. And something, I would say, miraculous had changed to the point that the people were afraid to approach him. Can I make just a small point here of application that the possibility is that the closer we come to God and the closer we come to know him, there are going to be some people in this world that don't want to be close to us. And will actually start to shun us and distance themselves from us. Because they fear what we've become, maybe. They fear what they see. I know why the Israelites were fearing here. But let me ask, why did all this happen? 
Why did all this come across? Was it just because God was saying, listen, Moses, I'm going to tell you everything about, about me. Now, back in chapter 30, 33 and verse 18, what did Moses say? He said, please show me your glory. Moses took it upon himself to have an active interest in who God is. That's the start of any kind of faithfulness. And let's understand, Moses was not always this way. But through failures and trials, he grew to become the humble, faithful man we find in the Scriptures. Hebrews 11, of course, talks in exonerating ways that Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the riches in Egypt. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So Moses wanted to know God, and the fact that he wanted to know God carried him on an incredible journey. Moses understood the source of faithfulness. In Acts 7.22, Stephen there says that Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. He had the best worldly education. He had the greatest education at that time. And yet we never see any examples of him uh, quoting the philosophers of Egypt among Israel. We never see him talk about how great the Egyptians had worked out some sort of technology. You know, did Moses use Egyptian technology maybe to write down the first five books of the Bible? Maybe so. He might have used those things as tools, but he didn't raise them up as standards for the Israelites to look at. And so even though he had all of this, he understood the true source of faithfulness. He had a relationship with God. Let's look at Numbers 12, because we want to look at how did God refer to Moses? And what distinction did God make between Moses and the people that he was leading? I believe it's the same distinction that Jesus made between the people who were listening to him, the multitude, and his own disciples. Just consider that as we read this. Numbers 12 and verse 6. Then he said, Hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly, and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? This is in the context of Miriam and Aaron uh, uh, ultimately being wrapped up in strife against Moses. And it's in this context that God declares his relationship with Moses, a face-to-face relationship. And can you see the parallels here? Jesus spoke in parables to all the multitude, but he only opened up and explained those things when his disciples showed interest in what he was saying. Let me suggest to you that if we want to be faithful to God, we need to have a relationship with him. If I do not have a relationship with God, there is no way I can understand how to be faithful to him. Moses heard God, he meditated on his sayings, and he devoted everything in his life to fulfilling these things. His faithfulness also was the subject of offense to many. As I mentioned, he was the lawgiver. And note this in Exodus 16 and verse uh, verse 4. 
Exodus 16 and verse 4. This is just an interesting point to me. In Exodus 16 and verse 4, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day. Look at this. That I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Now, this is before the Ten Commandments were given. Kind of interesting to me. Now look at chapter 24. After takes place after the commands were given. Exodus 24 and verse 12. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and be there, and I will give you tablets of stone and the law and commandments which I have written that you may teach them. This is after, after the people had sinned. After he had already received the first tablets. You know, remember in chapter 20, uh, the, the commands were given, and he had these first, this first set of tablets, and what happened? The people were embraced in idolatry and committing shameful things. And Moses broke the tablets of stone. And God here is promising, I will give you another set of tablets. So, why did God in his grace and mercy do this? It was ultimately because he had a relationship with Moses. Moses was the lawgiver. And that law was there, let me suggest, even before he gave him these tablets. But that law was there even before that point. In terms of opposition, Moses didn't compromise in upholding God's law. Uh, look at chapter 10 of Exodus. Back when Pharaoh, uh, you know, w- they were going sort of back and forth in this, you know, will you let the people go or not? And Pharaoh's just kind of acting like he will, and then he doesn't over and over again. But let's look at the words of Moses toward the most powerful man in the known world at this time. Exodus 10, verse 24 Then Pharaoh called to Moses and said, Go serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones also go with you. But Moses said, You must also give us sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also shall go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind. For we must take some of them to serve the Lord our God. And even we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let them go. Can I, can I suggest something as well from this point? And this kind of blows my mind. I just noticed this this morning when I was looking over the lesson. Moses' faithfulness is such that he not only is he standing up to this super powerful man, but he doesn't even know what they're going to serve the Lord with between that point and the promised land. His faithfulness is such that he does not have to know every single thing about what they're going to need. Lord, you know, you're asking me to do something really big here. I don't even know what we're going to serve you with between now and there. That's what he's saying to Pharaoh. Do we have that faith? Are we striving for that level of faithfulness to know that even if I don't have all the pieces, even if I don't understand everything about it, that I can hold to him in faithfulness, not precisely knowing what's going to come down the line, but appreciating what he's given me. We know that sometimes the greatest resistance came from God's own people. We mentioned Numbers 12, but also, of course, the rebellion of Korah in Numbers chapter 16, where the earth, uh, God caused the earth to swallow them up. And so our faithfulness, Moses' faithfulness, was an offense to others. 
Let's notice as well that Moses died in faithfulness. We don't have time to go deep into this, but if you look at Deuteronomy 34, in chapters in verses 1 through 4, Moses told again that he will never see the land that he led his people toward. In 5 through 9, we see that Moses, you know, there's no evidence that Moses didn't accept what had transpired. It seems that he goes right along with it. And he knows what happened, right? Moses, when we talk about faithfulness with Moses, there's sort of a problem there, isn't there? Because we all remember what Moses did. He was commanded to speak to the stone, yet he struck it. That was the second time that he, that that moment where they were having to get water for the congregation, for the people of Israel. But in verses 10 through 12, Moses goes to his reward and he's spoken well of by God. And I want to just ask one question as we end this look at Moses and go on to some final questions today. Why was Moses counted faithful? He had sinned against God. Can I suggest that, first of all, it was not out of convenience? Some people claim a casual relationship with God and say, well, you know, God and I, we've got a thing. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to hold out on me. Um, Well, a casual relationship with God is not a true relationship at all, as we see in in the scriptures. If Moses had kind of said, well, you know, yeah, this is convenient for me. I'll go along with what you want, God. Would God really have spoken about him in the ways that he had, that he knew him face to face? Also, Moses wasn't counted faithful out of a majority of good works. Some people say that you know, someone who's in sin or teaching sin, uh, they'll say, well, I disagree with him on that one point, but they're, they're okay for the most part. And so, you know, we, we, gotta, we, we can't do, you know, we can't be harsh with them. We can't correct them. Again, Matthew seven twenty three, Jesus says, I never knew you. Uh, those who were not doing the right thing. And also, it wasn't out of ignorance. Some people say, well, I, I didn't know that that was wrong, and so that command doesn't apply to me. Again, I never knew you. Moses knew God. He had a face-to-face relationship with him. And it was because of that relationship that Moses was found faithful. In Luke chapter 8 and verse 15, uh, Jesus says there, the ones that fell on the good ground in the parable of the sower are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. That, That absolutely applies to Moses, doesn't it? How much patience did he have having to put up with these people that constantly complained, that constantly grumbled, that constantly were bickering with him? And yet he was counted faithful, as we can clearly see. Well, finally, let's consider what is our faithfulness? What does our faithfulness look like? Our faith, of course, can be put into question and tested. In Luke 18 and verse 8, when he finishes the parable of the unjust judge, Uh, He says, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Will he find true faith on the earth? When when Jesus comes back, is he going to find faith in him? Matthew 24, verse 45, who then is a faithful and wise servant? I know we're talking about the destruction of Jerusalem there for the most part. But a faithful and wise servant. What happens when our faith is tested? What happens when we face difficult times do we moan and complain about temptations or are we like job who said that when i am tested 
I will come forth as gold. In Job 23 and verse 10, do we bow down to the peer pressure in our life or do we remember that for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives? Do we make up excuses to avoid standing for our faith or do we recall that we must contend earnestly for the faith that was once delivered for all the saints? Do we spend too much time with people who might overthrow our faith or do we keep in mind to resist the devil he will flee from you and to flee youthful lusts but follow after righteousness, faith, love, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart? I'm just going to briefly go through some more questions here. Will we be faithful to truth and seek knowledge? Proverbs 23, 23. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 10 through 12, we see a judgment against those who did not receive the love of the truth that they may be saved. God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie. They all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And in Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. This is all part of faithfulness. Will we, be, uh, will we faithfully love our brethren? 1 Peter 2, 17, honor all people, love the brotherhood. Fear God, honor the king. Are we being faithful to God when we're always keeping our brethren just at arm's length? And we're never really truly having a relationship with them. We need to be close to each other. First Timothy four sixteen, take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Part of being faithful is looking out for each other and understanding that we have a necessity to do that for each other. Will we, brothers and sisters, remain faithful? And will we share our faith? Revelation 2.10, latter part of that verse, Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. And I want to end on this point. In Psalm 40 and verse 10, this kind of goes back to God's faithfulness. But David writes there, I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. Do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. Are we faithful? Are we faithful in the way that Moses was faithful? Let's understand that Moses is not some superhero. He was a man just like us, and that's why the Bible records his weaknesses and his foibles and his problems. And we have the same weaknesses from time to time. Let's look to the standard and try to be faithful as God is faithful. And we can have such an awesome, awesome uh, existence in that way. I want to encourage you to consider the words of Jesus this morning. If you've not become a Christian or if you realize there's something wrong in your life that you want to make right, we want to help you with that. If you need the prayers of the saints, we are we, we are ready and waiting and, and we hope in, in, in in everything to be an encouragement to you through that. But whatever your response needs to be, please do so while we stand and sing.